With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blue Wire. Being a woman is much harder than being a man. You know what? It is. It really, really is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we got, the, we, I mean, you guys got the, the short end of the stick on like living situation. <laughs> and as a feminist, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News. And as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg? He's a favorite rapper of all time, Joel Santana said. We are back like cook crack. <laughs> we're back, baby. We're, we're back to your regularly scheduled Unsalvageable programming. Uh, Again, as I said in the previous episode, apologies for being delayed and for not having an episode for a while. That's my bad. We got busy. We got sick. It happens. Yeah. But the good thing is, is that like, you know, this is actually salvageable and we were, (laughs) we're back. Yeah. There were, yeah, there were questions. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, The Jazz, since the last time that we talked, have lost five of six. They sure have. I don't really think that three of those losses are that bad. I'm I'm fine with three of those losses. I'm fine with the Toronto loss. Yeah, I I mean, that was, we kind of knew that was going to happen when like, everyone was out yeah i'm fine with the Cavs loss you don't have rudy gobert hassan whiteside or doak and you're going against literally the tallest team in the league yeah that was a bad bad matchup and you know what they did better than i thought they would for at least the first half right and i'm actually okay with the lakers loss because like while there were bad things about the offense and the jazz did not play great donovan mitchell jordan clarkson and boyog bogdanovich all went over from the three-point line that is not going to happen that's an anomaly right and so like if they make a couple more shots they win that game and then we're talking about how they won that game despite having a bad offensive night i'm gonna push back on that yeah at a later at a at a later time because it it dovetails perfectly into right. what I see as a bigger problem. So we'll touch on a couple of things, and then what's going to happen this episode is that we're going to give out some midterm grades for the roster for the for the players that are currently on the roster, and just you know midway through the season, 
how is each guy doing individually? But before we get into that, Greg, we need to hit on a few things that have happened in the last few games. Yes, we do. In the outline, Greg wrote, the Jazz are one and five in their last six games. They look like Am I wrong? <laughs> I mean, again, I'm okay with three of them. I'm okay with two of them, but like, I'm sorry. You can't blow a 22 point lead against the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. The, the Pistons game and the Pacers games were not, not like, great. The back to back, the like as, as a collective effort, the worst games of the season like I thought that that Pistons loss was even worse than losing to the Pelicans at home. Yeah, it was the, so bad. The thing that I guess bugs me the most about those is that it just like both of those games highlight the problem, and this is exactly what Rudy Gobert said in his comments that sort of ruffled feathers recently. In the games that they lost, it highlighted what their problem is. And it's that their perimeter defense isn't good enough. It outside of the Blazers, it might be the worst in the league. It's so bad. And it, I mean, if, if there's one thing that we can learn over the last six games is like, if we're talking value, we're talking like how valuable a player is there are few players more valuable to their team than Rudy Gobert yeah. to the point that I think it's a huge problem that the Utah jazz's identity is almost solely based on a single player, both offensively and especially defensively. Yeah. I mean, his, his value cannot be overstated. He is definitely one of the five most valuable in the, in like, the, the truest sense of the word players in the league. There are not five players in the league more valuable to their teams than Rudy Gobert is to the Utah jazz. Yeah. He, like he is the Utah jazz. Exactly. And like, that's, that's exactly it. That it's like relative to his team, you know, like Rudy Gobert might not be the most valuable player to a lot of other teams, No, but for the jazz, he's, he is number one. You know, and the Utah Jazz are 100% built around him. Mm -hmm. And my my big problem with the Utah Jazz that I've seen over the past few years is I think the way the Jazz play basketball and the way the roster is constructed is the right way to go. It reminds me of what that Orlando Magic team did that made the finals mm. when Dwight Howard was in his peak. And you're surrounding this perennial all-star future hall of fame defensive big man with four shooters jj reddick yeah jj reddick um who else was on that team jameer nelson michael petrus uh hito turgaloo like they just had so many weapons richard lewis yeah richard lewis my problem is not the way they play basketball it's who they have on the team Right. And that is like the concept of how they play brilliant, but the jazz have a huge, a couple of, of fatal flaws. I wrote them down and I'm going to look them up right now. Number one is 
I, I see the core rotation has a just serious lack of athleticism. The Jazz have a couple of players. Rudy Gobert, incredible athlete. Donovan Mitchell, incredible athlete. Jordan Clarkson, really, really bad defender, incredible athlete. But like guys like Joe Ingles and Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich and Royce O'Neal, as much as we love them, not great athletes. And that makes the perimeter defense incredibly porous. And they, they really, I think if they are going to make a push, if they are going to get over the hump, they need to somehow bring in some sort of length and athleticism, especially when you start a two guard lineup with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. Um, I also, we've seen it time and time again, this team has not found ways to defend or, or beat teams that can switch, especially teams with shifty ball handlers. I mean, even going back to the, I know they won the game against Dallas because Luca was out on Christmas, but like Jalen Brunson was just another example of like guys who just torched them. And we saw Cade Cunningham get his career high and, Darius Garland and going back to the the playoffs against Denver with Jamal Murray going for a bunch of 50 burgers. They cannot guard shifty players. And the I, I and I think it's a huge disservice to Royce O'Neal, who I think is a good defender and works his ass off and like is so he's so vital to what the Jazz do. But he, he he's not enough and for him to have to go out night in and night out and guard the other team's best player without a break is it's just it feels like a bend or break kind of situation and it breaks a lot more than any of us would like uh and and then going on with with this same the same problem of not being able to defend or beat teams that can switch is like they haven't proven they have the ability to adjust when teams go small and switch. I thought the fourth quarter last night was like the perfect microcosm, the perfect example of that. Like, and a huge problem is, is that this team does not trust Rudy Gobert to punish teams, even when he has a mismatch. Sarah, I know you had to have seen it as much as I did watching that fourth quarter last night, where the Jazz would get the pick and roll and they would get the switch. And it's not even that they would dump the ball and they'd go bare six feet away from the hoop and have them say, okay, you got to go make a play. That I understand. That's not Rudy Gobert's game. Gobert had a deep, deep seal on his man time and time again, where all he has to do is elevate and he's either going to get fouled or he's going to get a dunk. It was, he was that close to the hoop and guys continued to look him off and just shoot the three. Boyan did it a bunch. Jordan Clarkson did it a bunch. I even saw Mike Conley do it, which seemed to be really uncharacteristic of Mike Conley. And, and it's just, it, it felt like I was watching the Clippers series again. And it's just super, super frustrating. And then my last thing that I see as a fatal flaws, it, it hurts to say, but this team is soft. They do not push back. They die on screens. They let an eight, eight point run go into a 22 point run constantly and every time it happens we keep hearing the same thing and i am to the point i no longer believe that like this is something that's just gonna like they're gonna snap their fingers and get out of it i think this is who they are we are more than halfway through this season and that's usually enough of of time to like draw conclusions 
This is a conclusion. They get pushed around. They do not push back. And I have to think that is going to continue until I get some evidence to the contrary. You make a lot of really good points. And I honestly think that a lot of the things that you're pointing out, a lot of them could be fixed in domino fashion. Sure. By having that wing defender. Yeah. I think it is so glaring and it has been glaring for years. Sarah, when we started this podcast almost a year ago, what was the first thing we started talking about? They need a wing defender. They need a wing defender. And here we are nearly a year later after another flame out in the playoffs saying the exact same thing. The problem could not be more glaring. Everybody knows it. And I swear, if Jazz Twitter is talking about it, if you and I are talking about it on this podcast, the NBA is talking about it and they know. Yeah, it's not a secret. I mean, the scouting reports that other teams have are are definitely clear for the Jazz. If you can break the point of attack, if you can break the perimeter, then you can get in. Because you can. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you can. And teams do it time and time again. You're going to have to contend with Rudy Gobert if you are able to break the perimeter. But if you've got two guys that are running in there, then like that's the thing that annoys me the most is like watching Rudy Gobert trying to clean up the mess of the perimeter defense and him covering two or three guys in one play. And like, and then, you know, somebody gets a layup while Gobert is in the paint. And a lot of people will look at it and be like, well, you got the three time defensive player of the year. Like, why isn't he stopping them? And it's like, well, cause he's covering two other guys. Yeah. Have you ever tried to guard three people at the same time? Yeah. It's hard. It's almost impossible to do. And so I think to your points, I, I hate to like be the one that like keeps saying this because it makes it sound like I just want it to happen. But like Joe Ingles is not playing well. Joe Ingles has not played well since the end of the reg- of the last regular season. He has been borderline unplayable since the Memphis Grizzlies series last year. He historically doesn't play well in the playoffs. Definitely didn't play well in the playoffs last season. He has not looked at all as good as he looked during the regular season last year. And on defense, which is like one of the reasons that you're happy to have him, you normally during the regular season. There was a large point in his career. He was a good defender. Yeah. And it's just not there. It's just not there. And so, you know, when you're talking about that athleticism, if you take him out of that lineup, let's say that like, let's say for the sake of hypotheticals that you take Ingles out and you put uh, Pascal in for those minutes and maybe Pascal doesn't play all of those minutes, but he splits them because the jazz have a smaller wing defender that they add to the rotation. And that wing defender takes a couple of minutes away from, from Jordan Clarkson. And he takes some of the minutes where Ingles would have played also. <laughs> Daniel house. <laughs> I think that that not only increases the athleticism of the yes. rotation, it also 
gives them the ability to punish a switch because they have somebody that's more athletic and is also defending on the other end. And it also means that they can uh, adjust better. And if you bring in a guy that's got a little bit of grit also, and we also know that Pascal is not a soft guy. So if he's playing more, if you've got another guy that comes in and is maybe like ready to bark at guys, maybe that also, you know, pushes the physicality of the team a little bit. There needs to be, yeah, I I know I said athleticism and, and length. There needs to be an injection of nasty. Yeah. This team, I know I said uh, on our last episode that the Jazz uh, felt 2004 Pistons-esque a little bit as far as roster construction goes, um, which I still believe in, and I still think they need to find their Rasheed Wallace. But they also need to get that, like, 2004 Pistons nastiness about them if they're going to get over the hump. Like, that team was nasty, and they beat the shit out of teams. Yeah a little bit of it is like there's there's a fear of foul trouble it feels like yeah and it's like i like maybe they have such a fear of foul trouble because the rotation is so small right um especially like right now like since they've been going through covid they've had some injuries that they're dealing with so the rot the rotation is even smaller and smaller but it just feels and it feels like once they even get near foul trouble at all they turn timid and that's one of my least favorite things in all of basketball. I mean, you see it across teams. It's not just the jazz, but when a player goes from playing hard to playing timid because of foul trouble, it completely changes the dynamic of a game. Yeah. And like anybody who's played basketball at all knows, like if you got a guy in foul trouble, you go go at at them. Yeah. Yeah. And teams do that a lot to the jazz. Yeah. And it is, it's, uh, I know I'm not the only one in Jazz Nation feeling these frustrations. Yeah. It is, and I it think, is not a real cool time right now. Yeah. The frustrations, I think, are completely understandable. I think that they will be diminished a little once the Jazz are at full strength. They don't have sure. guys in protocol. I agree with um, that. Also, we have Donovan Mitchell, who's in concussion protocol now. And so we're going to be dealing with it for a a few more days, at least. Breaking news from Sarah Todd of the (laughs) Desiree News. The T is silent. I just, I think that a lot of these, those frustrations will be diminished once they're at full strength. But at the same time, the frustrations are elevated right now from frustrations that were already there. Those are things that already lived. It's just right now they're very elevated. And so when you have something that's like boy bubbling under the surface and you highlight those because things aren't going well, that doesn't make them any better. It just means like, Hey, this is still a problem. We're not addressing. I am not one uh, who has contracted an STD, but I imagine it's somewhat like a herpes flare up and that really (laughs) just has to suck. There's, but there is a cure for this. But there is a cure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And his name is Marcus Smart. (laughs) Yeah. So not great. The last few games, we'll have more to say to that, uh, say about that. I think in our next episode and a little bit, actually, as we go through these 
mid-season grades. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's start it out with the top guys. Greg, tell me what you think about Rudy Gobert so far this season. I think that Rudy Gobert should garner MVP votes. I said it at the beginning of... Uh, the season and our season preview that he was going to be an MVP candidate this season. He may not get a whole lot of votes, you know, he's not exactly a popular player in this league, but he's been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, And you said it during that same episode that you said he was going to be even better than he was last season after winning his third defensive player of the year. And he has been, he's been nothing short of spectacular. I think he's the third best center in the league behind Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, who are both, MVP candidates as well and perennial all-stars and future hall of famers. And he's, he gets an a is ultimately what I'm saying. He's been phenomenal. And if there's one thing we've all gathered over this, uh, this last little streak is just how valuable he is to this team. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, there, there's been a couple of things that I've liked. I like that his free throw shooting form is nicer this season. It looks I so like, much better. I like that he is, um, he's catching the ball higher when he's in the yes. post, which I is saw really your nice. tweet last night. Yeah. Or, uh, sorry. A couple nights ago, him yeah. and Jokic. That was such a fun game. Just side note. Yeah. And something that Rudy Gay, honestly, after 15 years should be able to do is catch the ball a little bit higher, but you think, but I'm, I'm really pleased with sort of the incremental improvements that you see from him and to have a guy that is already that caliber of a player working to improve Mm -hmm. Uh, and everything else that you said, he, he is absolutely the most valuable player on this team. He should garner MVP votes. It won't be sexy or popular, and so I doubt very much that he would win an MVP, um, especially if the Jazz remain in fourth or third place. Yeah, I will go on record and say that outside of like a 72-10 and Jazz season, Rudy Gobert will never win an MVP. I mean, if the Jazz were to surge back and retake the one seed in the West this season, I think that maybe that actually might have people looking at them a little bit more. Such is life. Uh, and I absolutely agree with you. A for Rudy Gobert. Give me Donovan Mitchell. I have Donovan Mitchell as a B plus. Very, you know, good grade. I think he's been really, really solid this season, but I have to look at the entire uh, body of work. And he came out struggling at the, at the early bit of the season. And as good as he has been and dynamic offensively, he's not, he's still not bringing it defensively. Um, and so I have to knock him as well as there's, there are just a bit too many nights where he's still not completely taking over that, like in a way that you want your superstar to take over. Like if Donovan Mitchell truly is a superstar, a superstar is to me is the kind of guy you can throw the ball to and say, not only go get me a bucket. It's like, no, go win me this game. Right. Donovan Mitchell has proven he's, he can do that. 
but there are too many times, especially like when guys were out with COVID where he hasn't done that. And, you know, and I, the game that comes to mind is the, is the Cleveland game. And granted, I know that they were pretty handicapped with all of their bigs out, but you're simply not going to win a lot of games in this league when Eric Pascal is your best player. Right. And there simply has to be more of Donovan Mitchell looking at himself and saying it's Donovan Mitchell time. Yeah. And not only, not only saying that to himself, but then going out and executing. We talked about it a little bit last season that, that there's a difference between playing hero ball and like being the hero of the game and taking over the game because you need to. Right. There's a difference between that. Like absolutely stalling the offense and just like beating your head against a wall and going ISO, 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 and it's not working. (laughs) Jordan Clarkson. That's, that's one thing, but controlling the tempo of a game and taking control of it yourself is it might look the same sometimes as hero ball, but Mm -hmm. it's, that's a totally different mindset. And I think that that's the, and as you said, Donovan has done that before. Yeah. And, and like, we've seen it on the defensive end as well. Where like, I'd never, I don't expect Donovan Mitchell to win or or to make an all defensive team. And I don't think that's like in his wheelhouse. And I don't think that's something that we should expect. But we have seen him at times put forth that effort. And it's almost always a net positive for the Jazz when he does. Yeah. And that's just, and we, we just need, we need more. It's, it's an effort thing. Yeah. And I'm a big believer that the majority of defense is effort. If yeah. you have a guy, especially when you have a guy as dynamic and as explosive and as athletic as Donovan Mitchell, you see what he does with the ball in his hands. Are you saying he can't do that same kind of stuff without the ball in his hands? He can't move his feet. He can't get to the right spot. There are a few guys in this league who can get to their spot quicker and easier than Donovan Mitchell. That can transfer over to the defensive end if you have the right mentality. Yeah. I, just, I need to see more of that. Still, this is a guy, I, I, and at the same time, I don't mean to simply poo-poo Donovan Mitchell because he has been very good, and we're talking about a guy who could very well start in the All-Star game. I am simply holding Donovan Mitchell to a higher standard than I would most players because, A, I know he's capable of it, and, B, that's his job on this team. Right. You know, he's making max money. He's he he's being paid as that dude. He has been slotted as that dude. You've got to go be that dude night in and night out. Yeah, I'm giving him uh, a little bit less. I, I give him you said B plus. I'm giving him a B yeah. because I mean, exactly your point there at the end. We have to hold Donovan Mitchell to a higher standard. Because coming into this season, one of the biggest keys to the season, we talked about it, was that Donovan Mitchell needed to raise his level. He knew it. He said it. Everyone else is saying it. We're saying, like, it is known that if the Jazz want to escape the second round of the playoffs, if they want to be a bigger, better team destined for bigger and better things, that means that Donovan Mitchell has to be better. And part of that is him improving on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. And 
actually through the first few weeks of the season, he looked great on the defensive end. Working his ass off. Yeah, but it's waned. And I just don't think that I can grade Donovan. And I think that I think that Donovan wouldn't grade himself higher than that, too. Mm-hmm. I think that Donovan would agree, like he has to be better on the defensive end. He like routinely over the past couple of weeks is pissed off after the game and he's pissed off at himself. Mm-hmm. He comes off the court and he talks to me and says like, bottom line, we've got to guard our men. And like, if I can't stay in front of my man, then like, what am I doing? Yeah. I don't think there's a guy on the jazz roster more capable of being a solid point of attack defender than Donovan Mitchell. And we've seen him do that. We've seen him do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, it just feels like more of like a microcosm of the Utah Jazz's problems. Exactly. And I think it's that's what this, this, yeah, that's, that's the thing. You know, we're talking about a guy who just won his first Western Conference player of the month. Right. He was spectacular. And we've, and that's, that's the frustrating thing, you know, and we've seen this team as, as a number one seed and, and win 20 of 22 games. And, and we've seen, we've seen this team, what seems like, you know, reach these mountaintops. And when you're, you're in these valleys, it makes it so much, so much more frustrating because you know what these guys and these, this, this team is capable of. Right. And I think that that's, that's the thing is the consistency. If he was more consistent or maybe if he wasn't a max player who these expectations were placed on, then it would be a different grade, but like, uh, yeah, B, B minus. He has to be better. He has mm-hmm. to be more consistent. Yeah, agreed. Next on our list, Mike Conley. I think a lot of what we said about Donovan Mitchell can also be said about Mike Conley. I give him a little bit more of a leeway because he's not, you know, the the number one option. He's, he, But he is also outside of Rudy Gobert might be the most valuable guy on this team. We've seen what happens with Mike Conley's out. He's the general of this team. He steers the ship. He's such a calming presence. We've seen him come through in the clutch. He's still, he's still captain clutch, you know, and he has these games where if you look at the stat sheet and it's like, Oh, he had 11 points and six rebounds and, and, and four assists or something like that. Like, oh, that's not really all that impressive. That's not going to rack up a bunch of uh, fantasy points. But then if you actually watch the game, you see the way he navigates things and, and just dominates in such a, a non or, or such a, an atypical fashion. Um, yeah. But again, it's the inconsistencies. One of the reasons I would grade him a little bit higher than Donovan is because defensively I think that I mean outside of Rudy Gobert if I'm being honest Mike Conley might be the Jazz's best perimeter defender right now I I can yeah I can agree with that which is a problem if a guy who's maybe six feet tall and maybe 180 pounds is your best perimeter defender also a guy who's almost 35 years old or is 35 and I'm just like I'm continually impressed by the fact that you know, he's, he is 34 and he, he doesn't look like he's aging. You've got guys on this roster who look like they're aging. Yes. Right? yes. And Mike Conley's not one of them. 
Like yeah. he's, he's still tearing around screens. He's still like sticking in front of the ball. He's still, I mean, I was just rewatching film from the Lakers game and like, he's, he's out there boxing out guys like LeBron and Austin Reeves and like everyone who's taller than him. Like he, he's actually trying. Yeah. And, and so I think that, I think that while you might get inconsistent performances from Mike Conley, you do get consistent effort. Yeah. I, I think that's really well said. Yeah. So I give you're Mike Conley. You're making me reconsider my B minus. I may have been a bit too harsh on, uh, on my, yeah, I know. I saw the B minus for Mike Conley. I was like, that is kind of hard. I mean, I give my, I give Mike Conley an A minus so far this season, because I don't, I don't really know that with the inconsistent way that other guys have been playing, that he, he really has done anything too detrimental. I think that I think that's fair. I'm actually going to move mine up to a B plus. I was a bit too harsh, Mike. I apologize. Jeez. <laughs> Sarah, uh, Sarah could, could make a lot of money as a lawyer. <laughs> she's, she's a fabulous, fabulous prosecutor or defendant. I should say. <laughs> I'd be an excellent defendant. <laughs> uh, in my next life, I'll be taking lessons at the law school of Quinn Snyder. So our next, our next starter Royce O'Neal. Now I'm going to start out on this one because my grade is lower than yours. Royce is supposed to be the jazz's best perimeter defender. Yeah. He he's supposed to be. Yeah. That is who he is supposed to be. And if we're talking about the expectations that we place on a guy like Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell, the expectations of Royce O'Neal is to be a lockdown defender. Like that is his job. Yeah. You know, it is an absolute bonus if he hits some shots, but he's such a low volume shooter that like, no one's going to be mad about it if he doesn't. Right. And I don't know if part of the problem is that he needs so much more help on the wing that it's making him look worse or if his defense just hasn't been as good, but his defense hasn't been as good. And it hasn't. I also think just in his defense, I don't know how fair it is for him to go from guarding Trey Young one night to Giannis the next night to LeBron the next night to Devin. I mean, but think that's what on each team, there's a guy that has to guard the best, the best option, you know, yeah, that's his job. His job is to be a versatile lockdown defender. That's fair. Yeah. Now on the, on the, on the flip side of things on the offensive end, he has been more offensively aggressive this season. He sure he, has. He has not been passing up as many shots as he has in the previous seasons. Mm-hmm. And while he does still pass up shots sometimes, it is significantly less that we see him do that. Yep. And going into that Lakers game, uh, Royce O'Neal and Mike Conley were the Jazz's best three-point shooters. Right. Both shooting above 40%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Boyan was third in that list uh, before the Lakers game. Cause like everybody missed shots. <laughs> and so I got to give him positive points for, and I mean, to your point earlier in the show about the athleticism, he's incredibly athletic. And so he does add an element to that offense where like, if something is, if things aren't, if they jazz can't get something going, they really should look to Royce more to just get a bucket. 
Yeah, go be big and strong. Because he can. Yeah. And and so I give him points for elevating his offensive game, but that that is not that doesn't look good to me when you're weighing it against the fact that being a great defender is his job. And yeah. so I give him a B minus and I think I'm being generous when I do that. I think that's fair. I gave him a B plus mostly out of the, this idea that like, he really is kind of the do it all guy. He needs like, help. He, uh, yeah. And I, and I gave him a B plus cause I do, I don't think it's necessarily a lack of effort. No Royce. I think he brings it. Um, but I think that we're starting to see some cracks in the dam. Um, I think he might really be exhausted and I think he needs some real help, but, uh, I gave him the higher grade because he seems to be the guy who answers the call jazz need, you know, Quinn Snyder says something. We got to attack the glass. Royce O'Neill, the next game has eight or nine rebounds. You know, we got to be, we got to be crisper with our passes next game. Royce O'Neill has five assists, right? You know? And, and again, while being asked to, to guard the other team's number one option more than any other player in the league. Right. You know, shout out to uh, Dan Favalli, who we just had on, right. Um, on Hardwood Knox the other day, he was, I forgot the exact stat, but like he leads the NBA. He led the, the NBA last year right. in having to guard the, the other team's number one option. This time that he's leading it by even a larger, wider margin. Right. And I really tip my cap to him. I think he's so incredibly valuable to this team. I do think he's being asked to do a bit too much, but he gives a super valiant effort. And if all of the jazz players played as hard and intensely as Royce O'Neal, we're not having these conversations right now. And they probably have, I don't know, five fewer losses than they do. Yeah. Uh, the final starter on our list is Boyan Bogdanovich. Again, uh, you originally had a little bit lower of a grade, but let me let me put my lawyer hat on real quick. <laughs> <laughs> if we look at it through the first 41 games this season, because these last few games have been bad for everyone, right? Yeah, right. And so if you're just going to the, the exact first half of the season, Boyan shoots... 41% from three. Great. Uh -huh. Everyone's going to love that on any team. Uh, but also he is hitting two point field goals at a career high 54.3% while Ooh. also getting career high 4.2 rebounds per game. Yeah. And that game he had against Denver the other night was really, really special. And the thing is, is that like Mike, Mike Malone called that before the game even started. He was like, yeah. the guy that we have to look out for is Boyan Bogdanovich. And then Boyan went out and killed him. Yeah. I mean, they knew that last year when Boyan dropped 40 on him. 48. Whew. Yeah. That was I mean, fun. That was a fun game. Year before last, his first season with the Jazz, he had, he was averaging 20.2 points per game third through the first 41 games he's 18.2 points per game so it's just two points per game less that's not a lot mm -hmm. but like the efficiency and the effectiveness of how he's getting shots also he's handling the ball better 
turnovers yes. are down. He his post moves are getting even better. He's getting to the line more effectively. Mm-hmm. It's I just think improvement in all areas. And he's one of the only guys on the jazz that is like steady. Like, yeah. you know what you're going to get. He's very consistent. Yeah. I, yeah. I will give you that. And then final point is that neither the jazz nor anyone else in the world is expecting for Boyan to be a lockdown defender. We right. talked about how insane it was of him being a Kawhi stopper last season during the playoffs. Yeah. It was unreal, but the jazz are trusting him a little bit more with some of those bigger matchups on defense. And mm-hmm. he, he just does well. The yeah. jazz Quinn the, Snyder the Carl started Anthony him. Towns matchup yes. is one that, that comes to mind. Yeah. Carl Anthony towns, Quinn Snyder started him against LeBron James instead of Royce O'Neal. Mm-hmm. And that that's a matchup where Boyan has fared well in the past when he played against him during the playoffs. Yeah. That seven game series when he was with the Pacers comes to mind. And so I think that the jazz are figuring out ways to use Boyan effectively where Mm -hmm. it's not even like they have to hide him on defense. It's like, we'll shift some guys over so that everyone can be effective and it's working for Boyan. I give Uh, him an A. All right. I initially gave him an, a, a B plus. I'm going to move that up to an A minus. I think he's been really, really solid this season. Again, um, he's been one of the more consistent guys. It's hard to knock a guy who's shooting, who has like a, what, 18 points per game and is, has a true shooting percentage of over 60%. I think the, uh, again, I don't think he's a great defender and I don't think that's expected of him. Um, there are times I wish that he were a bit better defensively. I wish he were a bit more aggressive on the rebounds, you know, but I mean, again, like career there best. Is, there is, yes, there is marked improvement. Yeah. But this is why he gets an a minus and not an a right. And to, there were people in jazz nation talking about what does Boyan Bogdanovich do for this team? And I hope your crow is oversalted. <laughs> I hope it tastes like. <laughs> I hope it tastes like an IPA. <laughs> I hope you choke it down because you could make an argument. He's been the Jazz's, I don't know, third best player. Yeah. And again, and I- and probably times, the most consistent. Yeah, I was going to say probably the most consistent outside of Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I like the most consistent jazz players like Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like Boyan has the clutch gene. Mm-hmm. And he has the uh, propensity to step up in big moments. And it's to the point now, you know, when it's closing time and they get the ball to Bogdanovich in the fourth quarter and he launches it. Uh, I am more shocked when it doesn't go in. Yeah. Than when it does. Yeah. The guy's got some stones. Uh, and I think he's, I, I wouldn't say that Boyan is, you know, necessarily unmovable for the Utah jazz, you know, cause his game, his name continuously comes up in trade rumors, but you're going to have to get a hell of a haul for me to like feel comfortable or feel good about like even considering trading boy on. He's been really, really good this year. 
Should we lightning round? Uh, we should lightning round after after I say this. Uh, I just looked it up just because I was thinking I hadn't looked it up. Um, Boyad Bogdanovich's three point percentage in the fourth quarter is forty two point three. Ooh. This season. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. Uh, let's do let's do lightning round as we go through uh, the rest of the roster that's not on the starting rotation. I'll, I mean, I say lightning round. We're still going to talk about this. Yeah. Joe Ingles. My my guy. It, it's rough out there, man. It's rough for the guy. It's yeah. it's not looking good. We said it already on this pod, or at least I did like. He's he's borderline unplayable slash detrimental to this team right now and really has been since the Memphis Grizzlies series last year. I mean, it, it's one thing to be old and not move your feet on defense if you're still, a, you know, a positive and, and hitting shots and, and giving the effort on offense like he has. But even like he's not as effective in the pick and roll. What is he like two of 25 on his last last few games shooting from three or something like right. that. Like he went, he went three of six against the Lakers, but before that he was uh, one of 21, I think. Yeah. Not great. Uh, here's the thing. Can you remember the last time that Joe Eagles had a game where he was just like manipulating the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert? Um, uh, <laughs> the end of last season. Yeah. Like, it used to be like such a go-to move. And I, I can't imagine that like, like other defenses have, have figured like he, he's not doing like the pass fake. He's not able to like slow dribble into the lane anymore. Like it's, he's just not doing any of it. Yeah. It's, it's like a weird, it has me questioning, like, which is weird to even think of this because I always think of Joe as like one of the more, like the fiery, more competitive players on this team, but it kind of feels like he's either going through the motions or he's hurt. And yeah. I don't, you know, I don't have any intel. Again, this is all just speculation. This is eye test, what I'm seeing on the floor. But like, there seems to be a mentality switch yeah. there. And I, I mean, maybe, maybe it's the fact that he has been yeah. in trade rumors for so long. Like, yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's, it's starting to wear like, on him. Maybe. You know, and especially somebody who's talked about how much he loves being in Utah and his family loves being in Utah. Like, I can understand that can be really mentally taxing. Absolutely. However, that's not an excuse for the way he's been playing and has played for quite a long time now. It's it, like, it, he really has become a detriment and and a liability at times. Especially, a detriment. Especially a defensively. Detriment with a capital D, and that's what I give him. Yeah, I gave him a D minus, like barely a passing grade. Yeah, and like I think the honestly the saving grace is that he is one of the more fiery guys on the team. Mm -hmm. He and, leads the league in ejections, and he <laughs> also uh, can knock down a shot. Yeah. But, like, that's not enough to, like, raise your grade much higher than a D, I think. 
No, there's been and on this and Joe's passing up more shots than he used to. Also, yes, yeah, it's there were even a couple last game against yeah, the Lakers, really, really bad ones. There was one my like my wife Lindsay. She comes out because she's like laying in bed because I was watching the game on my laptop and I screamed, "Shoot the ball, Joe!" <laughs> she walks in very nicely. Greg, can you please not yell? <laughs> I'm trying to go to sleep. I have an early morning. Poor Lens. I get it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Joe gets a D. Jordan Clarkson. Also a D. This is coming from a guy who founded the church of Jordan Clarkson of Latter-day Buckets. Amen. He's been D for dog. He's been really, really bad. Um, Ben Dowsett uh, tweeted out uh, some stats today that one of which that really struck me that like Jordan Clarkson is one of currently one of four players in NBA history to have a usage rate above 25% while shooting under 40% from the field. Yeah. He's been really bad. Um, Another scream from me over the last few games is pass the f- ball Jordan. Yeah. That I think that his shot selection has been worse this season and that it's been really bad. That's that's hard. I I gave him a C. I gave him a little bit of a higher grade based on the fact that while a lot of the play like listen, I'm not going to say that Jordan Clarkson is a great defender but Jordan Clarkson is a better defender this season than he was last season. And And still like, still seems like, especially like lately over the past, I would say 10 games, he's being hunted. Right. He's constantly out of position. Right. He gives backdoor cuts left and right. He's been, again, he's never been a great defender. And I think there has been some games this year where like the effort has been really good. And we've talked about that as of late. Yeah. Much like Joe Eagles has yeah. been detrimental, really, really bad. Yeah. Some of, unlike Boyan, some of the stat, like Boyan has stats that are very nice and mm-hmm. Clarkson has dipped this season in almost every major statistical category. He's uh, less rebounds, assists, steals, points, everything's down. His free throw shooting percentage is down. His three point shooting percentage is down. His at rim field goal percentage is down. So he's not finishing as well either. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think a couple of pluses, I think that when he does pass the ball, his passing has been better this season when he, when he does give effort on the defensive end, it has been better this season. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, consistency has been an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think you nailed it. Rudy Gay. Give Rudy Gay a C plus little, little, little bit better than average. Still not what I you know, I don't think he's been what he was touted when the Jazz brought him in. Maybe right. part of that is, you know, getting used to a new system, which we know Quinn Snyder's system is difficult. Also coming off surgery, but has not quite been what the Jazz uh, built him as and has definitely not been the answer to uh, the Jazz's small ball questions. I would have been a lot more happy if his three point shooting was maybe at the same level that it was last season. Yes. He's, that's uh, a huge part of it. 
he was shooting 38% last season. He's down to like 35, I think this season, which is still good. I think from what you were expecting to get out of Rudy Gay. Yeah. I give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt for the midway grade this season, because if we look back at Mike Conley's first season with the jazz. Yes. And I think that Mike Conley and Rudy Gay, not just because of, you know, starting in Memphis and not just because, or being in Memphis together or just because they, they are close, but they seem like they're of the same ilk. Like they seem like they're the same kind of contemplative person that might take a little bit of time to like find where he belongs in the, in this, not just to figure out the system, but to figure out how he belongs in it. And so I think that midway through the season, I'm just, I'm thinking of Mike Conley and I'm thinking, you know what? Fine. Like B I'll give you a B because we don't know what this is really going to become. And you've been just fine. Yeah. Fair. Fine. I'm still sticking with my C plus because I think he's been a little, a little disappointing, but not like, oh my God, this is a disaster. This is F green 2.0. Like, no, right. and he's, there's been times he's been really good um, and has carried the bench at times. And he's still a guy you can throw the ball to and say, Hey buddy, we need a bucket. And, you know, he's still, he's still versatile. He's not 25 year old Rudy Gay anymore, but he's still pretty athletic, you know, and can do a few things. And he does bring that, that dynamism. And one thing, you know, jazz fans say a lot, like, why doesn't, why doesn't Eric Pascal get more, more minutes and things like that, which I think, sure. You can, you can make an argument there, but like one of the things that makes Rudy or, or the jazz run and makes Rudy gay so valuable is his body of work is his resume. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like he has, he has gravity. You can't just leave dude open, even if he's having an off night, because he has the propensity and has the ability to kill you. And he's going to get the respect of the rest of the league. Yes, exactly. And he opens up so many avenues and, and allows the Jazz to do so many things. You right. know, it feels like we're we're poo-pooing on the Jazz a little bit, but still, like, this Jazz offense is a thing of beauty, and he really adds to it. Next one is a little interesting. Hassan Whiteside. So again, we have to grade the entire body of work. Yeah. If we were just grading on the past like five or six games, F. I I would be uh I would be carrying Hassan Whiteside off the court like Stephen Adams did to Tony Bradley. <laughs> um uh, he was really bad. But overall this season, I gave him a C plus because He's been, he's been pretty good and he's actually exceeded my expectations. And there's no doubt that he has been an upgrade this season over Derek favors. There have been times where like, sure. I think, I think there is a, a, a niche for someone like Hassan Whiteside at, at this uh, latter stage of his career. And it is beating up second units, you know, cause he could probably start for a team, you know, he's still got starter level skills, don't think he has a starter level mentality most of the time, but he's done some really good things for the jazz and he is not a huge net negative in the non Rudy Gobert minutes. I mean, the same that we did when we're, we're grading guys like, like Donovan or anyone else, like what were the expectations that you had? Right. 
I had and, zero expectations for Hassan Whiteside this season, right. other than like, I was really excited to laugh. Right. Exactly. And like the expectations that I had going into it was like, probably not great. Hopefully better than Derek favors. That's yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, that was it. I was like, wow. Jazz really, really went with Hassan Whiteside. Right. But it's like, oh, well, they got him for a vet men on one sure. year. And so it's yeah. like, all right, hopefully it's, n- hopefully it's not terrible. Hopefully it's better, hopefully than, it's Derek better than Derek Favors. Yeah. yeah. And God, that hurts to say. Yeah. And there have been some games where Hassan has completely impressed me. Yeah. There's been and- stretches. He's been absolutely dominant. There's been right. times he's really helped the Jazz win some games. Right. And, and like you said, well, what we were wondering about through the beginning part of the season is like, are we going to get kind of that classic quote unquote Hassan Whiteside experience? And we're starting to get it right now. Yeah. And that's what bring the, brings the grade down is that the last few games that he played, cause he's in the health and safety protocol right now, but the last few games that he played before that he literally he literally wasn't even trying it was like he was purposefully playing bad yeah it was as as bad uh as a performance as i've ever seen in the nba and i don't mean that hyperbolically it was the thing here's the thing that pissed me off the most was that in that toronto game those young guys that were playing in that game were giving it everything they had can I just go? I know the Jazz ended up losing that game, and you know Fred Van. God, that, went, my that, favorite that was game the, of the season. That was the most fun game of the season. God, it was excellent. It was, it was so, so good. good. It was so fun, especially going into that game with zero expectations, and all of a sudden the Jazz are up sixty, and you know uh, Malik Fitz hits the uh, the half the, the, the half court shot. Yeah, three quarter. Yeah. And the Jazz post a forty point quarter, and I was like, Oh, oh my god, what am I watching? Just like really... watching the Mighty Ducks all over again. I, I loved it. I loved that game. And that's why it pissed me off so bad because like the second possession of the game, I looked at Eric Walden who was sitting next to me in the arena. And I was like, well, I guess Hassan's not playing tonight. Yeah. He, he clearly did not give a shit. And it's like, listen, man, I know you guys aren't supposed to win this game. And I know that it doesn't really matter, but like, you look at, at how least hard cry. Look at how hard these guys are. At least these young guys never get a chance to play. You get a chance to play every single night. And these guys are putting their hearts out there tonight. If Hassan Whiteside would have tried in that game, the Jazz could have won. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and especially like that could have, with with a change of mentality, that could have been like a big moment for Hassan Whiteside too. Like, he is the experienced veteran who like these young guys should be looking at and being like, this is a guy who's been in a situation like this before. And like somebody who the, who these young guys could feed off of. And now nah, like, he looked like he didn't even want to be there. And the, you he know, did the and same the play, thing against Indiana and just like, and then the, the play that's still that that's stuck in my mind. And I'm sure it's stuck in the mind of a lot of jazz fans is just that sequence he had in Detroit. Yeah. Where like he throws the ball away, doesn't get the rebound. Uh, and then just literally stands under the basket 
and lets Diallo get an uncontested dunk. Like it just it it seemed like some synapses in his brain just like weren't firing, and there was like some sort of like mental malfunction there. That's why I'm talking about. Like it looks like sometimes he's purposefully playing bad. Yeah, like it, like there's a short circuit or something going on, or like it's, he's it's got really mo- money on the game. <laughs> yeah, is my guy point shaving? You know, for as for as good as he has been and has as much of an upgrade he has been for a backup for Rudy Gobert. I think that the questions you have about him being consistently, consistently having a good attitude and trying as hard as everyone else, those are big question marks for me. Yeah. And so is while, this, is this what we're going to get in the playoffs? Right. And so those, those questions have me bringing his grade down to, and I same, I'll give him a C plus honestly, very good job when he is really trying, but the, the handful of times when he hasn't are worrying. Yeah. Again, uh, it seems like the, the, the word of the day is detrimental. Yeah. And when Hassan Whiteside is in, I don't give a mode. I don't know if there's a more detrimental player in the league or, or right. not in the league, but on this team because he plays such a valuable role with the right. way that the jazz play again, their identity is based upon Rudy Gobert and your job is to play the Rudy Gobert role for 10 to 15 minutes a night. It's hugely integral. Yeah. And when you don't bring it, you can absolutely knock down the entire house of cards. Yes. Eric Pascal. I gave Eric Pascal a solid B. Better than I expected. Guy plays his off. I think, you know, he's not he's not dynamic. You know, he'll make plays here and there. You know, he's not a good shooter. I do love his intensity. I do love his fire, but we're also talking about a guy with the worst plus minus on the team especially, you know, and he's played a ton of his minutes with Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I think I'm going to give him a B plus. I was kind of thinking about an A minus, honestly. He's been much better than expected and better than advertised. The thing is, is like the Jazz brought him in very cheap, had to give up basically nothing to get him over here. Um, the fact that he is Donovan Mitchell's friend was just a total bonus in the situation. And then it turned out that like the jazz were going to need to plug him in and have him play some real minutes to start the season because Rudy Gay was going to be out and he was great. He did just, he was great. And then what I, what I like the most about Eric Pascal is that Rudy Gay comes back and Pascal straight up falls out of the rotation. Yep. He's not even in it. He's getting garbage time minutes at best. And Every time that there has been an injury or someone uh, is not able to play the game or they're in foul trouble or whatever the case may be. And Quinn Snyder calls down to Eric Pascal. He plays his absolute off. Yeah. Again, he's, if he's totally ready, that's the thing that I love the most about him is that like, you don't have to worry about Eric Pascal. Maybe like, Oh, he hasn't been in the rotation for a while. It's going to take him a while to get into a rhythm. No, nope. Eric Pascal is ready to go right now at all times. That Toronto game, God, he awesome. played the Cleveland game. 
the Cleveland game. He was the and one bright spot. That's the thing is like, he shows up in Toronto and like, he'd just been in the hospital for five days because he had his first baby. His son was born. Hey, hey. Dad strength gang, man. And like, that's the thing is like, that's we a real like, thing. You, you got a little bit of dad strength. And he's like, what? No, I'm exhausted. <laughs> because like he had to fly to Denver and then he had to test so that he could get into Toronto. And like, it was just like this whole rigmarole of a week for him. And he was completely dead and he played his off. Yeah. I, there's something really to be said about a guy who stays ready, keeps his head down, you know, like all of like the cliche things. Like let's I, imagine I said, a scenario where imagine a scenario where, it's the playoffs. You're in the first or second round of the playoffs, maybe, uh-huh. or even farther down the road than that. And Rudy Gay gets into serious foul trouble mm-hmm. in the third quarter. Royce O'Neal sprains his ankle. Right. And all of a sudden, Quinn Snyder has to look down the bench and bring someone in. Absolutely no one is going to be worried about the fact that Eric Pascal is going to have to come in and play some spot minutes. Yep. And he's he really is versatile, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's one of those guys who can guard almost one through five. He played, and again, like if everybody on the team played with the nasty and the fire and the intensity of Eric Pascal, again, we're 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 probably talking about the Jazz knocking on the two seed, knocking on the door of the two seed. Yeah. Um, and everybody's grade is higher. He brings yeah. it, yeah. He's been such a pleasant surprise. We said at the beginning of the season, yeah, like if he's nothing more than Donovan's best friend on this team, great. That's a net positive. Anything else is just icing on the cake. And there's a hell of a lot of icing on that cake. Hell of a lot of icing. It's a very sweet cake. (laughs) Dripping, dripping with icing. Trent Forrest. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. I think, I, I don't know. He's been fine. He's been, I gave him a C plus. He's been a little bit better than I expected. He plays four minutes a night. He runs the offense. He doesn't do too much. He still can't shoot. Yeah. That's the thing is that like, if you're looking at Trent Forrest coming into this year, you, you want him to be a little bit better. You want to see incremental improvement, especially from the guy that, you know, is on the edge of the roster. They have to improve or else the mm-hmm. minutes lessen or they go to another team. They end up in basketball purgatory and they're playing overseas. That's what happens. And yeah. so uh, the fact that there hasn't been an increase in shooting, it's hard for him because he plays on a roster where he's passing to so many shooting. So limits. many good shooters. Right. Yeah. Who would you, would you rather have Donovan Mitchell shooting or Trent Forrest shooting. Would and you rather have Boyan Bogdanovich right. shooting or Royce O'Neal or Joe Ingle or whomever? Right. They're and the thing is, is that like is. Trent Forrest can be wide open on the perimeter. And it's not just that like Trent will pass to those guys rather than taking the shot. But if somebody else has the ball, they won't pass it to Trent because they don't trust right. him. Yeah. And that is a problem is if mm-hmm. there, there has been no shooting improvement because guys still don't trust him. Yep. Um, he has been more aggressive going at the basket. I, I was just going to say this. Yes. I, like, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I like that. He's doing that, but there, I haven't really seen much else than what we already saw at the end of last regular season. Yep. I think he's the same player. And you know, again, he plays four minutes a night. I'm not, right. I'm, I C don't plus. worry about it that much. Yeah. Sh- C plus. Sure. Go get him kid. I think very quickly we can say that, 
we probably haven't seen enough of Jared Butler, Elijah Hughes, Udoka Azubuke to give them legitimate grades. Yeah. Um, very quickly, I'll say every time that Elijah gets a little bit of run, I am impressed. I am too. The guy can score. I was guy super, super impressed with him in that Toronto game. The guy can score and he has such an NBA frame that like uh-huh. when he starts to really get minutes on whatever team it is, I kind of doubt that it's this one. He has a legitimate shot to be like a career NBA player. And Agreed. Yeah. Out, so, of, out uh, of all of like the really very end of bench guys, I'm not including Jared Butler. Right. Um, but out of, out of the, you know, the guys who are currently playing in the G league, I think he has the, like the best shot out of those guys out of like a Trent Forrest or a Doak or any right. of them to make a roster and actually become like a rotational piece. Yeah. Cause he has two things that you look for in NBA players. He's got the NBA body and he can score. Yeah. He can shoot. He can, you know, he can put the ball on the floor. He can get it, get to his spots. He can create his own shot. Like he has a legitimate bona fide NBA offensive game. Yeah. I think that we give, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give Elijah an A and then I'm going to give Doak and Jared Butler, like an NA pass. They get a, they get a passing grade because Doak had another really significant injury. He didn't look great in the preseason, but then when the team really needed him against Denver before they went to Toronto, he stepped up, man. He did. He played really, he played really hard and he played really well. And he literally, you're not going to stop. You're not going to stop Jokic. Rudy Gobert can't stop Jokic. He literally thought that the, the coaching staff was, was with him when they said, you're going to start tonight. He didn't believe them. He's such a sweet boy. And he, he got his first NBA start and he had to do it against the MVP, the reigning MVP, one of the <laughs> five best players in the league. And, and Doak held his own that night. Mm-hmm. And so passing grade for Doak and Jared Butler hasn't, he just hasn't been given a shot, but in what we have seen, uh, I, I still think bright future for Jared Butler. Oh, yeah. You still see, I mean, we saw it in the preseason as well. Um, you see the flashes, you see the IQ, the ability yeah. to make shots. Do He does little things that you don't expect rookies to do. He's got yep. a great feel for the game. Jared Butler's going to be just fine. Yeah. He's going to be, he's going to be an NBA player. He'll probably be an NBA starter at some point. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's the grades. We did it. Everybody wins. Everybody, Everybody gets passes. a grade. Everybody got a passing grade for now. Next time we'll maybe next time we grade on a curve. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if that's the case, it's Rudy Gobert. Everybody else fails. <laughs> Shout out to to everyone who has been waiting patiently and has reached out and said nice things. And we are glad to be back on track. You guys know the deal. Do all of the things. Rate, review, subscribe, download. Leave us a five-star review. We love that. Mm -hmm. Um, We also love the reviews because apparently those people just keep on listening. So thank you for those clicks and those downloads. 
Yeah. Uh, you can follow me at NBA Sarah. You can follow Greg at Dad Shem Dad. You can follow the show at Unsalvageables and send us an email, unsalvagablepod at gmail.com. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.